0: Howdy, I'm Kate Kavanaugh, and you're listening to the Groundwork Podcast. This begins an exploration of connectedness, looking at our own nature through the lens of nature mind, body, and soil. Hey everyone! By the time you'll be listening to this, it will be May, and I am just so grateful to move into a warmer season. A friend of mine recently sent me a missive that she was wishing for warm days and sleek horses. And today I took my horse up for a walk in the woods, and we gathered ramps in the forest with the dogs, and as we came back, I tied her up and I was curry combing her and, you know, I brushed off a whole nother horse out of hair, but underneath that layer was a sleek horse. And I thought to myself, what a beautiful wish. I wish you warm days and sleek horses. And so I just wanted to share that with y'all here before we dive in. Welcome, May. I am so excited to bring you this podcast when... I started Groundwork, and I I think I might talk about this every time because I'm just so excited about it. When I started Groundwork, I was really looking forward to getting to explore conversations with people that inspire me, with people that I admire, with people that I feel like are holding different pieces of this puzzle in mind, body, and soil. And Chelsea Connor who I want to really introduce because her and I just dove right in. Chelsea Connor, the amazing Chelsea Connor of House of Nourishment and Kismet Cacao. And I really, really dive deep into the nervous system and play and inner child and a lot of just, uh, we just kind of we had a blast talking. At least I did. I won't speak for Chelsea. And we dive into a lot of things and we're kind of, we're kind of uncovering things in real time. And this is one of these meandering conversations that I so love when I listen to podcasts. And I realized as I recorded this one, that for the most part, I only hear this, this sort of camaraderie and wild and twisting conversation that goes a lot of different places on podcasts with dudes. And so I think it was really fun to have this rollicking conversation with two women. And I'd encourage everybody to really listen to the whole thing. We, uh, we share a little bit of everything, even, even some very novice horse girl tips that I would not take. Necessarily, as we are both very new to to horsemanship, but we just had so much fun having this discussion. And I'll tell you, I don't know if we talk about it on the podcast, but I told Chelsea after this that I was listening to an Aubrey Marcus podcast with Matthias De Stefano. Matthias De Stefano has this beautiful idea that every human is kind of like a cell in a greater body of wisdom and that he feels that he's a memory cell and that he's holding all of these different memories of humanity. And it's, it's a really beautiful concept. And as I was speaking with Chelsea and her innate wisdom just shines through like the brightest light, it really feels like she's a nerve cell. She has this way of looking at the nervous system that is really different than anything I've ever come across. And that's a big part of what drew me to her. And we have taken a lot to the concept of play. And I wanted to add a little personal anecdote at the beginning of this podcast, because I think as adults, this concept of play can be a little difficult, especially for those of us that can get caught up in rigidity or in societal mores, whatever it is. And I want to share something that that my husband and I have been doing lately. And this is a little bit revealing, and I feel a little bit vulnerable saying this, but I think it's important as adults that we set examples and realistic things for one another around concepts like play. My husband and I often like to pretend to be foxes and we run around, but the other day we were and the other week, honestly, we were getting really into pouncing and we were out in the yard and we were pouncing on one another and just kind of running around and being really silly and embodying this physical aspect of play. I think so often as adults, when we hear the word play, we think you, you mean like, like a board game and maybe, but I think there's this also this way of getting into your physical body the way that you were as a child and really accessing play both from a physical sense and a a playful mental state. And so I just wanted to share that with you so that as you go into this podcast, you you have a different basis for this. When we're thinking about play in the nervous system, it's not really something that I've seen talked about and and accessing the wisdom of the inner child. And I think there is so much deep wisdom there. And I did want to give y'all a couple of resources that I love for for further educating yourself around the nervous system. And the first one is the book Call of the Wild by Kimberly Ann Johnson. And I think that she She has a beautiful way of opening up the nervous system, especially for those of us that might have experienced trauma in our lives with these exercises that are are really incredible for deepening into your body and learning how to regulate and to have that resiliency within your nervous system that we talk about. The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk is one of the other excellent resources for just sort of getting to know the the nervous system from this holistic perspective. But I think that this podcast is a beautiful deep dive into the nervous system and about a thousand other things that we cover. And so I can't wait for you to hear it. But first, we have some accounting to do. So every podcast, we've been doing a little bit of business. And right now, I am running this experiment because I really want to get word out about the podcast and one of the best ways to get the word out is for written reviews to appear on our Apple podcast profile. And so if you haven't heard I am reading a review every week which is supposed to be great for getting reviews. Again, these things are total mysteries to me. And if you if you leave a review and you shoot me a picture of it with a DM or you can you can email kate at groundworkcollective.com. With your address, I'm going to send you a handwritten letter. And it it is a full letter. And it doesn't matter what your review says. Even if you want to say something bad, I'll still send you a nice letter in return. And so this week, I'm reading a review from Picker's Wife. It's entitled Kate Rocks, a transparent, honest, and insightful look at life, death, nourishment, food, and connection. It's exactly the type of content I need. Slow, authentic, rich conversations about our world between genuine and passionate people. Listening is so much like being in concert with the conversation that I find myself responding aloud to Kate and her guests. Picker's Wife, thank you so much. That that really made me genuinely smile, especially where you talk about responding to, to myself and, and my guests, because I love that. That's one of the things I love the most about podcasts is when you feel like you're in the conversation. And so it is exactly, it just warms my heart that you're experiencing that. And please send me your address so I can shoot you, I can shoot you a letter. We have a couple of little orders of business left. Number one is I want everybody to be able to find farms near them, especially as we're talking so much about working with local farmers. And so a great resource for that is a website that I I had a hand in building called Near Home at Groundwork Collective. And so that's nearhome.groundworkcollective.com where you can find a farm right near you using a really robust set of filters. And so just want to give that a mention. Two discount codes are still live. We're not really doing ads on this podcast at this current time, but I do want to let you know that you can get 10% off of Hama Hama oysters through the month of May using the code capital ground work 10 at Hama Hamaoysters.com And I'll put that in the show notes. You can also get 15% off from Farm True, which does, they are an incredible company. We did a podcast with them and they sell ghee and ghee-based body products and Ayurvedic nutrition products. And they are just, they are one of a kind, you guys, and their sourcing is impeccable. you can get 15% off anything on their website with, in all caps, Kate Cab that's K-A-V-15. And so I just want to let you guys know that those discount codes are live and available through the month of May. Gosh, I am so excited for you to hear this podcast with Chelsea. I just can't wait to hear what you think. I had the absolute best time. I truly, I truly think that this woman is magic. And speaking of magic magic has come up so much on this podcast so far. And I think that that's really interesting. And I think what Chelsea helped me understand by the way that she interpreted magic, which I'll let you, I'll let you hear, but it's this idea that magic is just something that we don't have an explanation for at this time. And I think we're all starting to see these deep connections between different things in mind, in body, in soil, throughout nature, throughout our lives, within our communities. In all of these different places, we're beginning to see this network of connection and not being able to fully put our finger on it. And so I think that this magic that we're all experiencing is important. And so I'd implore of everybody this week especially inspired by this magical guest to just look for a little bit more magic in your life and see where it comes up. And if you feel so inspired, I'd love to know where you're finding magic lately. Even if it's just the mystery of how two or four, 22 things are connected together and how life unfolds in the most unexpected and beautiful ways. So look for the magic and without further ado, a little bit of magic from Chelsea Connor.
1: We just, by nature, we could say that we don't want to judge people all we want, but even when we're in the act of trying to be non-judgmental, of being neutral, our brain is still going to be putting things together and being, you know, it's our brain is a database. And so it is always saying, Ooh, I've seen that before. And usually this is what comes next. And that's really how our brain also keeps us safe, how it protects us, how it knows what's going to come next. It wants to predict what's next so that we're prepared in case it's a dangerous outcome that comes next. Or maybe it's something that's really exciting that happens next. And we're like, "Ooh, yes, I want to keep going forward with this. Or I want to keep talking to this person because I remember that this pattern leads to this next, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean it's evolutionary biology at work, right? We're high, hardwired to find patterns in things so that we can better be able to predict and move through life. And mm-hmm. but it really it can really work against us. I mean, and and I've personally you know done a lot of work with my nervous system and the way that it got set differently in childhood. And so it's and I love looking at it from that perspective, like the way that our brains are wired and hardwired for these different things from an evolutionary perspective, and then where that kind of starts to go, to go differently for each one of us. Mm-hmm.
1: Totally. I, this is something I think about a lot because we have research that shows us that our mothers essentially give us... Their nervous system. I mean, aside from the fact that we are literally created by our mother's body to begin with, there's data that shows that the state of our mother's nervous system as she gives birth to us is what we inherit. And I think there's still so much to learn about this. There's still so much we don't know. And I I often wonder are we also inheriting her nervous system throughout the entire pregnancy? the entire time we're a part of her body is that our nervous system as well are we is it being programmed in those times that we are in the womb we don't really know that yet right now we only know that it's happening once we're born once we come into the world and we're creating our own nervous system now separate from our mother's body but i, I just always wonder like what else do we not know is there more to it than that is is there more in our environment that are sh- that is shaping our nervous system as well along with, of course, just the world society, the way that the conditioning of society just starts to program. We, you know, again, our brain is seeing different patterns. And as we are becoming people, we go from being an infant to actually becoming people. Our brain starts to put these puzzles together and, you know, our neurons start activating and creating and we're able to basically just create the programming of our computer, which is our brain, our entire nervous system, right? So it's interesting just what you said and working with your nervous system and understanding where that programming or how your nervous system works came from. It's just, it's fascinating to think about because again, not only our mother, but does it go back further? Is it our grandmothers too? Because our grandmother programmed our mother to begin with. It's, yeah, it's just so yeah. fascinating.
0: And we were an egg, right? Like we were an egg in our mother's ovary in our grandmother.
1: Yes. During that, was that like, the trippiest thing.
0: Yeah. And then, and then when you look at epigenetics and the way that we inherit these epigenetic shifts, especially, mm-hmm. you know, and I think with mothers, there's some of what you're speaking to. And, and I love this because I think that there's a lot that we know and there's a lot that we're learning And then I think that there's a lot of magic in between of things that we may Mm -hmm. not ever know. And when you're looking at something as complex and as beautiful as the human nervous system, all the factors that are being fed into it. And I think in utero definitely matters, right? Because we're, we're bathing in our mother's hormones. And so if her cortisol is really high, or if she's constantly spiking adrenaline or norepinephrine, how, how is that changing our neurochemistry and that response mm. in utero? And then Mm -hmm. And then once you get out and there's all this other feedback. And so I think that it's such a beautiful and complex thing. And I think that there's
1: still magic and mystery to it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I really love that you said that because a few weeks ago, I don't know what it was exactly, but I just got inspired to change my Instagram bio, which is like so silly. But what I was inspired to do was... Basically, write something in my bio that spoke to what I do or what I desire to do in this life, at least right now, because I feel like it's kind of always changing. But yeah. I, I find it hard to, I guess, explain to others or even for myself to put into words, like what it is that I want to help people with and what it is that I'm fascinated by right now or experiencing myself right now. And I know that it's, you know, nervous system focused, it has a little bit of nutrition weaved into it. I love things like human design. But then I also just love things that are so physical, like farming, ranching, you know, all these things. And I'm like, for so long, I've considered myself someone who is passionate about science. My college degree was heavily science based. And so I've, I've considered myself, you know, I'm sort of a scientist, you know, at least in the the aspects that I studied. But I'm so fascinated about the magic, the stuff that we don't have the science for, especially when it comes to our nervous system. Yes. There's so much that we can't explain as far as like intuition. And I guess we do have a lot of explanation for instinct, but just how these things weave together. And so I was just thinking about that. And I'm like, how do I explain to people what I do or what, I'm here to share. And I had this day where I was like, it's like I'm bridging magic and science. And so I actually wrote in my Instagram bio that I'm nervous system focused and that it's science plus urinate wisdom. And I just love how, like, it's crazy how those things are still separate, but I love how being alive in this time, we are actually starting to see those things kind of like meet up in certain places. And we yeah. see so many people today talking about the nervous system. Like I, I really became, I guess, awakened <laughs> to the understanding of my nervous system fully probably in 2020, you know, when the whole world kind mm-hmm. of went nuts. Yeah. Um, I agree I with had that statement actually.
0: Yeah. And we have a, we have a, we have very similar backgrounds. Um, do we? Yeah. Just in terms of science and not being able to explain yes. what it is that our purpose is in this season
1: here yes. on earth.
0: And it, is, it yes. is seasonal, right? Like this is a season, but yeah, that magic and that, that something else is really important. And that space where we mm-hmm. are becoming, we are all scientists of our own body. Yes. And that's so important that that innate wisdom And science begin to integrate. And I love that you said, because I'm also seeing all these spaces where that's beginning to come together.
1: Absolutely. And not to bring any like taboo topics to the table, but you know, it's interesting that I think we see so many people talking about the nervous system and understanding what their nervous system is in these past two years, really since 2020, when we all got hit with a big thing. And there's no taboo topics. You're fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's just taboo. interesting how we heard this kind of saying a lot, I think, on social media, but also in the news of trust the science. And that was really a triggering sentence for a lot of people, no matter what side you were on, right? And it's Absolutely. so interesting. It makes me wonder, like, I think many of us or maybe everyone listening to this, at least your audience, would agree that these past two years and what happened in 2020 was sort of an awakening. It was something that came, hit us all upside the head in various ways, but it all also, it brought us all to our home to ourselves in a new way. It brought us all to this awareness of, oh my gosh, I have a nervous system. Oh my gosh, my health is important. Oh my gosh, you know, all these different things that maybe we wouldn't have quite integrated, at least not all together. and so deeply if we hadn't had that experience and so we're seeing this like because I will say when I first got into the nervous system passion or space whatever it is I was surprised just in these past couple years at how many other people are talking about the nervous system too I'm like what the heck everyone's talking about the nervous system now like what's going on here and instead of being like why is everyone doing the same thing as me (laughs) or why you know why are we all on the same page right now but really what if that's exactly what was supposed to happen this yeah. is what it took mm-hmm. to take us there this is what it <laughs> this is what it took to actually kind of help us jump from what if it's not just the science we have in studies in textbooks what if that's not it what if there's more what if this is how we start to weave those together like we were saying and I just, yeah, I, I feel like in real time in this conversation, I'm just realizing how fascinating it is that that sentence, trust the science, was there at the same time that so many of us were becoming awake to things like our nervous system, our own intuition. Yeah. I think so many people even, I know a lot of people close to me, had like a complete I guess, change in career, in their purpose, realizing, am I even doing what I want to be doing right now? Am I even happy? Do I want to live somewhere else? Like all these big changes, because I think maybe without us knowing it, it was really that connecting that quiet and that time with ourselves to, for our intuition to even speak up for us to even listen
0: I'm curious too. And I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about mycelial networks and soil, right? Mm-hmm. These super complex and, and widespread. I mean, they, I, in the way that I envision them, they connect soil throughout the world, right? That we're all connected in some way through all mm-hmm. of these mycelial networks. And I think that there's a lot we don't understand about our social nervous system, both in the ways that we interact with other people and the cues that we take from, from people's faces and body language, but also the sort of collective social nervous system. I think that like an ant colony or a beehive, there might be ways that our nervous systems are connected or our consciousness is connected, right, by, by some magic that we don't yet and may never understand. Because I, I saw the same thing, that during that time period, a lot of people were waking up to a lot of truths within themselves and within culture as a whole.
1: Absolutely. That's really interesting. And I really love that visual that you just said with the mycelium network in connecting all of the soil. Maybe there's some sort of connection that we all have with each other through our nervous system. And perhaps that is part of the reason, or maybe the reason why all of us, why there was such this ripple effect of all of us kind of at the same time, like jumping into this like new level of awareness. That's, that's really fascinating. And I believe that one day we will have the data or the science to explain these things because yes, it is, it is magic. It is like illogical almost, but it's actually the most natural thing it's it is nature nature is that way and it's funny how we try to like say that magic is wrong or fake or couldn't possibly be real because it's illogical because it's not based in science but science is the explanation of magic absolutely yes
0: i love it's that so much s-
1: finding and defining and actually pinning down like, oh, that thing that we thought was magic, this is why it's happening. It's just the explanation. So it's like, it's all the same. Yeah, It's just how much us humans have figured out. But back to what
0: you... Go ahead. I was just going to say, depending (laughs) on where you (laughs) are in (laughs) time, some of what we have would be just the wildest, most
1: unimaginable magic. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, try to explain to someone in the 1800s a Tesla. Yeah. You know, it's just, or even Wi-Fi, that's just doesn't, I mean, even to me, Wi-Fi doesn't make sense. How the heck, that's magic. How does that work?
0: (laughs) I love that you said Wi-Fi because here is an invisible network of energy that connects things. And so you're going to like, so here's this invisible network that connects our phone and our computers and our printers and who knows what else. Mm -hmm. And yet we can't imagine that there's an invisible network that connects us as humans.
1: Oh my gosh. So true. That's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy in the best way because that's, it's, it makes it more logical. It's like, well, then of course, yeah, of course there is. Yeah. And and it's, it's, It's interesting because I was going to kind of open up a new topic, but on my way here, I was actually thinking about, I recently took a trip down to Southern California where I'm from. Um, I'm from Huntington beach. So it's much more city like than where I live now, which is on 23 acres in the middle of nowhere, Northern California. And I was just kind of reflecting on... The way that I felt down there versus the way that I feel up here, it's kind of always something I think about when I'm going back and forth or you know in each place. I'm going on almost four years living up here now, so I feel like i've way I'm way more integrated and aware of who I am now in this new place and so when I go home or at least on this last trip, I feel like I was there with a new set of eyes because I wasn't there as the Chelsea that was. City girl newly living in a rural area, and I also wasn't the Chelsea that had one foot in here and one foot over here. I now was the Chelsea who this rural way of life is my life now, and this is the life I've created for myself, and now I'm just going to visit just to drop in. So I'm kind of like dropping into this place that has lots more Wi-Fi, like we've said, and i I honestly felt like the energy of that many people and kind of like this web that we're talking about without knowing that at the time, but that's really kind of what it felt like. Like you're, you drop in, especially flying in, you know, you literally drop into this place that has way more energy than I'm used to. And I was just thinking about how, when I was down there, I actually indulged in a few matcha lattes and coffee and kind of just had fun having all the things that I love. And I don't normally drink caffeine back at home because I can feel it so immediately. And it's not a feeling. It's just not a feeling that I enjoy. And I'm sure you would agree with that too. I think a lot of people have realized that. And when I was down there, for some reason, I was able to drink those things and actually feel fine. Like I didn't feel that different. And then I came home and i started to drink a little bit of coffee just like oh you know it worked for me down there so i'm going to try it here and one sip i feel it immediately like i really feel it and i'm like okay what is the difference and i could probably spend an entire podcast talking about the realizations i had between um there and here and just my entire trip but this one was really interesting to me i just realized that down there people are so and this is just my experience and my my curiosities. So it's not, you know, I'm not saying this is right. No, I love this. You're being a scientist. You're exploring. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Always, always. But what I noticed was that it seems like people are so, you know, connected to each other down there. There's so many energies all in one place. So many people living in one general area that I think this feeling that I have up here of like peace and quiet and just being in my own energy is foreign to that place in the city, in society. And I think when you are drinking caffeine, when you are uh, rushing to work, when you are going out, all these things, not to say that those are bad, but I think it really just, it almost gives you the borrowed energy that you need to fit in with the pace, the fast pace of city life. And it feels normal. Yeah.
0: I have this. I'm really curious. So I'm from Denver, Denver proper, and I I now live rural and I Mm -hmm. love it. And I always think when I go back, my husband and I call it EMF soup and everything just feels different (laughs) (laughs) when I'm in Denver, everything feels feels harder. And one of the things I've thought about is that, and that I've learned, especially in the last two years is that my nervous system really likes to go slow, that I Mm -hmm. need a lot of slowness in my life. Mm -hmm. And so as you were speaking, I just thought about my nervous system kind of has this energy signature, right? That's just its own little energy and rhythm or pace, whatever you want to call it, the signature timing. And when I go into the city, I feel both the mismatch of my nervous system in this fast paced environment, but it's coupled with that energy of everybody there and, and feeling like it does kind of bring up the vibration or frequency, whatever we want to call it of my nervous system. But whenever I come back to our rural life and take a breath and get back in touch with that slow pace like that true pace you know if for mm-hmm. me it's the real truth of my nervous system yes and when i moved here everything shifted for me i was finally aligned
1: yep i cannot agree more and and this is that's been a part of this whole realization for me and this is kind of the i guess technically the second time i've talked about this i talked about it a little bit on my instagram but i haven't really even fully been able or been sure how to put it into words, because I understand that not everyone can live the way that we live. Not everyone has that available to them right now, right? And so I'm like, shoot, there's got to be a way that we can live in that way, I think. <laughs> but I just don't know what it is yet. But I can say that for me and my experiences, it it's very interesting noticing I almost want to say that down south in Southern California, you know, I do think that there's a lot of like EMFs and things like that, that are sort of infiltrating our nervous system. But I almost wonder if because a city requires so much movement, so much creation, you know, it needs money coming in and out and all these things that in order for humans to keep up with all of that, they have found these ways of creating borrowed energy through drinking tons of caffeine, Yeah, doing whatever it is. I mean, I know tons of people who not to call people out or judge anyone, but I know a lot of people who use things like Adderall. They're using these outside sources because their nervous system isn't meant to keep up with that speed. And so all, all so many people, I shouldn't say everyone, but so many people are using things like caffeine, whatever else, to keep up with the pace and the demands of that kind of lifestyle. And in return, it's just like this hamster wheel. It's creating more. It's creating more momentum and faster and faster. And then you've got to drink more caffeine and you've yeah. got to be more productive. And, and then you have to find ways so to come fascinating.
0: down at night. Yes. Yes. And, and I, you're having a, and you know, again, not to call people out, but you're having a glass of yes. wine every night because you're trying to, trying to get all the way up there. And then you're, and then you have to come back down to sleep. But I think there is in some ways, there's an evolutionary mismatch, right? Like we're mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. you're not going to take 200,000 years of homo sapien evolution in nature, mm-hmm. going at a really pretty slow pace most of the time Mm
1: -hmm. and Mm -hmm. suddenly
0: speed it up into the 20th century and not see some mismatching. And so whether or not our nervous systems might better expand to fit into that space, I think remains to be
1: seen, but there is, I mean, there is just this evolutionary mismatch. Absolutely. And exactly what you said, how people then have to bring themselves back down this is something i had been thinking about even before my trip because my partner he's actually a recovering addict um he did both drugs and drank alcohol and him and i have talked a lot about it because i my work is based in the nervous system and you know he's 7 years sober now and still learning about you know why was he so prone to those things and just kind of unpacking what what that was all about what he was trying to feel in those experiences oh, yeah i have exp- i had
0: i had i had issues with alcohol when i was younger and i grew up in a household
1: of alcoholics so mm, girl me too yeah I <laughs> <hear you. laughs> i'm sure a lot of people have experiences if they didn't deal with addiction knowing someone that does and something that fabian and i have discovered and i think i heard this also on another podcast so this wasn't just purely our own discovery but Just that a lot of times, the feeling that people are searching for in things like alcohol or drugs is actually just their own grounded nervous system. Mm. Like they are just looking for that feeling of peace. It's actually this conversation and this feeling is what prompted a breathwork class that I did a few weeks ago. And it was all centered around... Looking at our root chakra. Um, I'm not huge into chakra centers, but I just felt like this was such an interesting lens to look through, and looking at looking at people's connection to that feeling of peace, of grounding. Mm. And for, you know, you and I, living more rurally um, with the rhythms of nature and not so much the rhythms of society, we are able to kind of come into contact with that feeling a lot more easily we have a lot more space to do that Um, but I think a lot of people I think there's some people who never have they never have just found that feeling within themselves it's always been through you know until they got drunk until they smoked a ton of weed and so they finally felt like they could relax like all these different things and it's just so fascinating to me that beneath all of that and so many people probably don't even realize this They're just trying to feel that sense of relief, that sense of pressure just like melting off of their body. And it's almost the way that I was trying to explain it in my class a few weeks ago was like, when you're super thirsty, maybe you're super thirsty and you're like, oh my gosh, I just need to find water. There's no water around. I'm so thirsty. And you finally find that water. Maybe it's a hot day and you take that sip and you can just like, relax. And it's like that wave of peace that comes over you that you don't need to search for anything anymore. You don't need to like frantically go find something outside of yourself. You're just, I'm good now. And it's that sense of peace that comes when we regulate our nervous system. Um, We'll get into that, I'm sure, in a minute. But just it's just fascinating how I think in society, in these like cities People are trying to keep up with that pace like we talked about through caffeine and whatever else. And then they're trying to dial back down because you can't sleep when you're in a state of fight or flight, which is what that high productivity go, go, go energy really is. It's just our nervous system on a constant fight or flight state.
0: I just want to pause really quick and say how beautiful that is that we're just searching for the, the grounded feeling of our own nervous system in regulation, because I think that, and I want to speak to searching, right? Because I think I spent a lot of my life really seeking that without knowing that's what I was seeking. And I, I don't think I knew that until you, you just said that. And it, it resonated so deeply that my whole life mm-hmm. I've been looking for a grounded nervous system. And I didn't have, I didn't have that example of co-regulation as a child. And so, so that was never really present for me. And I did exactly I, in drugs and alcohol and all of the things that I tried. And then in a lot of health things that came after that in my deep exploration of, of trying to find a space where I felt good and mm. and I I really think that it was looking for my own grounded nervous system. And so that's just yeah beautiful.
1: I find maybe this isn't true for everyone, but I find that that knowing is really helpful, has been really helpful for me in understanding the people around me, the loved ones around me who are struggling with addiction and i think even the people who i've shared that with who themselves are dealing with addiction and just kind of like having that compassion that what if it's there's so much to say about addiction but what if this person or yourself is not just this bad person searching selfishly trying to get high all the time right or get numbed out all the time what if it's just that person is just wants to feel grounded and doesn't know how. I know that the person in my life who I think of when I talk about this, I just don't think she was ever even shown. No. First of all, I don't even think she knows what the nervous system is. So if I were to even mention that to her, she'd be like, huh? So that's, that's already the first place that I understand, okay, she doesn't even have that awareness right now. And that's okay. And then on top of that, how on earth is she going to know how to regulate her nervous system if she doesn't even know what a nervous system is? Yeah, And I think so many of these people with addiction, that's, that could be such a huge part of the puzzle for them. It's yeah. just not even knowing. And again, going back to how we started this conversation, inheriting our mother's nervous system. So who knows what her mother's nervous system was when she was brought into this world. And then I'm sure that carried over into her childhood not being able to be attuned with a parent that had a grounded nervous system throughout that whole time and then now being an adult still absolutely not knowing how to deal with their nervous system and then finding hey alcohol works really good yeah i you know it it's ruining my health but it makes me feel a lot better in the moment you
0: know and you're seeking that i mean i'm you know the the human in my life that i'm thinking about i don't think she knows what her nervous system is either nor has she ever spent, felt a grounded sense of peace mm-hmm. and i think there's a peace there and it's so hard especially when these people are really close to us sometimes it's hard to find compassion
1: mm-hmm. and i think
0: and i think that the more that we understand and that we see ourselves and our own desire to feel peace reflected in in those humans that we love that have maybe mm-hmm. hurt us in addictive patterns it's about finding that you know the humanity in me sees the humanity in you and and finding Absolutely. that piece of compassion but i also think that's a really great starting point because i think knowledge is power and so better understanding what the nervous system is i think that's always the first step to Getting somewhere with your own nervous system to finding a new space with your own nervous system.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that is, it's funny because when people ask me, Oh, how did you get into, you know, this nervous system stuff? And I would always say, Oh, it was because, you know, I started having these panic attacks and I've kind of had them throughout my life, but it got kind of bad around the time of the pandemic. And I needed to do something and so I started doing breath work and that's how I learned about the nervous system and that's kind of the story that I always say but I think the the true story that I wasn't even fully aware of was seeing addiction in my family and wanting to know being that little scientist you know wanting to know what the alternative is how do we overcome this not just you know I think when I was younger I obviously wanted to fix the situation. Now, as a 29-year-old woman, I realize I cannot fix anyone, cannot change anyone. Just But what I can do, yes. Just me. I can can change me. Exactly. Change me and change the trajectory of all the people in my family who come after me, making sure that whatever need wasn't met there, whatever issue was there, at least having a better understanding of how to approach those things than my, the people before me had. It's breaking generations of addiction and trauma. And I I come
0: from, I come from a very long line of alcoholics grandparents and great grandparents, like a very long line. And it's recognizing that. And I think that curiosity of how can I, how can I change this and make those epigenetic shifts too, right? Like not only change it from a patterning standpoint, but change it at a, at a DNA level at a cellular level. And I think that's, it's really beautiful. I think it's really beautiful, meaningful and important work.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I would agree. And it's, It's interesting how we made that connection that so many people kind of came online with understanding that their nervous system exists, what it is, how to start working with it around the time of 2020 and the pandemic and everything. And, you know, when we think of our ancestors who lived through the depression, you know, really horrendous wars, and we know that addiction heightened in those time periods because they were so intense on people. I mean, intensity that none of us have ever experienced, right? But it's interesting how when we had our own experience with something intense, how so many of us came online with this nervous system thing, and it's almost like shifting humanity as a whole from, okay, this model that we've been working with of when things get really freaking hard, we drink our sorrows away, we do drugs, all these things. What if we... It's, I don't know. I mean, it's almost like God just like infused all of us with like, you need to know this to get through this because we're changing this. That way doesn't work anymore. We're going a new way.
0: It feels like a gift of of wisdom from wherever you believe that gifts come from.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's really fascinating to think about because, you know, the ways that our ancestors dealt with or felt any sense of grounding or peace or numbness to what they were dealing with were all forms of like slow poison. And that is so interesting. I'm sure there's so much you could think about even just with that and how that relates to like life and death and the nervous system. But Hmm. anyways, I just find it so beautiful that our generation is like breaking that generational ancestral sort of trauma and pattern. And it's, it goes so much further beyond just our own families. It goes, you know, it's for all of humanity, you know? Yeah. I really,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think, (laughs) I think too, there's some echo of you know, using these slow poisons, as you said, and I think that's the perfect fit for them. They do alter our mental states. And I think to work with our nervous systems to do breath work is to alter our mental states. It's just using our own bodies and our own innate wisdom, as opposed to something exogenous or something that comes from the outside.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting because, I think even the modalities that we use within our own body, like breath work, there's other things as well. I mean, I guess you could technically say that too much of those would be a slow poison as well. Absolutely. Like you you wouldn't want to do intense breath work for five hours a day. That's not going to be great for you either, you know? So it's like, Mm. yeah, there's... (laughs) There's some interesting symbolism there.
0: there Do you want to, do you want to kind of give everyone a little overview of the nervous system just so we can drop
1: into that and get on the same page? Yes. So a very basic sort of an, an anatomy look at the nervous system. I personally, like we have said, think the nervous system is so much more than just like the data science that we have, but just to give people a, Clear visual. Our nervous system is essentially a system of nerves, and it also includes our brain and our brain stem that connects our entire body. It's our communication network throughout our entire body. So, very similarly to how Kate mentioned the mycelium networks that are in our soils, this is your mycelium network or your root system within your body. I love and that. essentially I'm sure many people have heard about the nervous system. I mean, like we have said, it's all over Instagram it seems like these days. Maybe it's because I follow so many people interested in this <laughs> too that it seems that way. But um I'm sure you've heard about it at some point if you're listening to this. But essentially there's so many names being thrown out, but I want to just give you a really clear visual of what each thing actually is and where it corresponds. So Our nervous system, like I said, consists of our brain, our brainstem, and then a connection of network of many, many nerves that run throughout our whole body, okay? So at the top of our body, we have our brain and our brainstem, and that's considered our central nervous system, okay? So you can think of central as your brain, your center, and then we have our peripheral nervous system. So those are the two main nervous system types that we have. The peripheral nervous system is going to be the whole rest of our body. So, brain stem down. And that system is actually broken into three different nervous system branches. And that's going to be our somatic nervous system, our autonomic nervous system, and our enteric nervous system. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, our somatic is going to be all of our voluntary bodily movements. So, anytime our brain tells our, you know, hand to move, our leg to move, any of those bodily movements, our autonomic nervous system is involuntary, and it's actually more connected to our lungs, our heart rate, um, different organs within our body, and it's how all of those things connect with our brain and the world around us. And then our last, the third, our enteric nervous system is actually our gut. So this is how our gut is completely connected to our brain and to our entire body and everything that goes on outside of us. So the cool thing about our nervous system is, you know, I used to say that it was like our security system, our body security system, but really it's a little different than that. It's our communication network like I said, so it's the way that our entire body communicates with itself and how it takes information outside of us and informs the inside. Mm. But also how our inside informs our brain to know what's going on and then we can respond to the outside as well. So there's communication going all different directions essentially. And what I I was thinking about this I think a better visual for kind of what our nervous system does is thinking of like a stoplight. So our red, yellow, green light kind of stoplight and our, our body and our nervous system is not necessarily going to be seeing danger in our surroundings and thinking, Ooh, that's bad. And it's not just searching for bad. It's more neutral than that. And really it's just saying, Again, how we mentioned our brain loves patterns. It's really just saying that pattern could mean this. And using that stoplight example, it could say, you know, this thing that's happening outside. So, for example, maybe you have a tiger running at you. A lot of people like to use this example. Maybe there's a dangerous animal running towards you, and your nervous system goes, oh, that could mean death. Yeah. Red light. So the red light means, okay, we're going to now initiate all the things we need in our body to prepare for that thing that's running at me at full speed. So, you know, you're going to have your somatic body nervous system kick into place and your legs are going to start moving. You see, you can start running. Muscles are going to
0: be faster, quicker.
1: Yes. More blood in them. You might feel like you have more strength than you normally have. You have more adrenaline running through. The adrenaline is allowing you to have that extra energy to escape the situation. But again, your nervous system doesn't necessarily think that's scary, that's bad. That's kind of something that happens after. It's more just a neutral system within your body that just is recognizing patterns. Yeah. Just recognizing patterns. That's activating.
0: Like that tiger running at me is activating.
1: Yes. That's information. So that information is telling my body what it now needs to do. And so our nervous system is so brilliant because it knows how to pick up on patterns and literally elicit hundreds of actions within your body without you even needing to tell it to do that. It's automatic. And it's just that alone is why I'm like so passionate about this because it's like, how on earth does something like this exist? Like that is so cool that it's just so automatic everything in our body is just perfectly designed to keep us in homeostasis or in balance just fascinating anyways
0: i love that i think that was that was such a beautiful description of the nervous system Thank and i you. love that you added that it's communication both inside and receiving communication from outside and then communicating back outside. And I I do just want to just for people that are, that are familiar with like the parasympathetic and the sympathetic branches of the nervous system. So, you know, parasympathetic being fight or flight or freeze or fawn. And I think that, that those are two additions that are really beautiful in that and the
1: sympathetic that is more rest and digest. Absolutely. So like we mentioned, we have the peripheral nervous system and how the peripheral branches out into three different branches, I guess you could say. So we said the somatic, the autonomic and the enteric. So that autonomic that I mentioned, that actually breaks into two more branches. And that is where we get the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. Okay. So Essentially, what these two mean, if you are not familiar with them, is, let's see, how could I explain this? These are, these are the states in which your body is in. So your parasympathetic state is going to look like a relaxed, restful state And our sympathetic nervous system state is going to look like that fight or flight that we have heard of, that fight, flight, freeze. So when we're in that fight, flight, freeze, that's when we are activated, like you mentioned. If that tiger is running at us, our fight or flight clicks on and it knows we need to either fight, flee the situation, or freeze. Okay. So the, this is our survival response. So I guess maybe that's a better way to explain it is this is, these are the two branches that control within our nervous system, whether our body needs to be in a survival state or can be, or is safe yeah. and can just relax. Okay. I
0: think, can I add one little piece to that, that I of recently course. read that I loved, uh, with the sympathetic the sympathetic nervous system, where we think of that fight flight freeze, there's also the sympathetic nervous system at ease. And so that fight flight freeze is, is when we're in that survival mode, but we also need our sympathetic nervous system at ease, which is more a sense of motivation and go and feeling a, an activation towards moving towards our goals. And I I really want to add that because I think that it's not just bad. And I think it often exactly. gets, it gets portrayed as the villain.
1: That's exactly why I wanted to change the like, visual of our nervous system being a security system. Because I think, especially on Instagram, <laughs> we see really like sympathetic nervous system. Our fight or flight response is bad. It's bad. And our parasympathetic is what we want to be in 24-7 when actually that's not the case. And I love what you added because technically when we are having sex, when we are in a state of play, when we are playing, like say you're with your kids or your friends and you're playing tag, you're playing hide and go seek. That's actually a good state of sympathetic. And that's, some, that's, that's a state that we want to be in, right? But it's also Absolutely. a state that we that we can't sustain 24 seven. So we can't live in that state constantly. And the key with understanding our nervous system is actually seeing that none of it is bad. None of it is good. It's more about being able to easily flow through all of it. Hmm. So our body has all of these capabilities, all of these branches of our nervous system And again, it's neutral. None of it is bad. It's just about being able to move within them. And where we see a problem is when we're in one too much, or when we're not able to come out of one, or maybe we go into that sympathetic and our body shuts down because it's too much. So that's why I've really been trying to like find the words to explain this kind of stuff to people and figure out how to even like package it up and offer it to people, (laughs) which is also why I've wanted to start a podcast myself because this is, it's such a, it's so new. It's so different. It's stuff that we haven't been taught before, but the, I would say the, the core essence of what I want people to learn about their nervous system is resilience It's learning how to build resilience within our own body so that we can have that robust nervous system that can do and move through all the things and that we don't get stuck in one flow.
0: Flow. Exactly. I love what you said. And I think it's really interesting because I think the nervous system, there is so much that we don't know. And I think it has been packaged in these really specific analogies that maybe do a disservice to our understanding of the nervous system. And so I loved that you repackaged it in a way that had that neutrality and that was based in connection. And I do think, I I mean, our nervous system, our social nervous system is how we connect to others. Our nervous system is how we connect our mind and our body together, both from a a bottom up and a top down. And so I think that there's, it's a great connector, just like a mycelial network and it's neutral. And so I just, I just want to, I just want to see you and how beautifully you did explain that and sort of repackage it.
1: Yes. It's, it just made me think, it's funny that I didn't mention this when we were talking about that social sort of nervous system idea that we came up with earlier, but similarly to how you said, we actually, we do match up with each other's nervous systems because that's essentially called attunement. So attunement is something that our nervous system can do with another person, can do with an animal. I have found that we can even attune to things like trees, which I know sounds like so magical, but here's the thing. Just like we talked about this mycelium network and how there's also these invisible Wi-Fi networks and EMFs all around us, all everything has an energy to it, right? Yeah whether you believe that that is science yet or not, it is. We are all energy. We all have a different energy about us. And our nervous system is an electrical system. Sure. It does, uh, have that kind of like physical, <laughs> I'm just physical so excited! Um, yeah, <laughs> it's so <You> true. Know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, this is the science that bridges our magic, right? This is, where energy comes into play as far as being like literal physical data and we're able to like, look at it in that scope. So anyways, I've been really fascinated with just this whole idea of attunement because in case people don't know this, when you are a child, you are unable to attune or balance or I guess you could say heal. Yeah, regulate your own nervous system. You're not able to do that as a child. So that is why it's so important as a parent to be able to understand your own nervous system because when you are grounded, when you and you don't have, have to even just be grounded, right? But when your nervous system is resilient, able to do that flow like we talked about, and you are able to know what you need to do to bring yourself back to grounding, back to peace, That is seriously important for an adult to understand and a parent to understand because as a child, unable to regulate their own system, they are going to watch you regulate your own. And that is going to teach their nervous system how to then do it in their own body. This is how humans are created to function. Children come into this world to watch their parents And their brain uses what's called mirroring because we have something called mirror neurons to actually pick up on, okay, that's how we do that. I'm going to now take what I just saw my parent do, copy, paste it into my computer system, my nervous system. And then as adults, we go into our life and we're supposed to be able to regulate our nervous system ourselves. However, we can, as adults, attune so we can match up our nervous system with something else that also has a nervous system or maybe just energy, I guess you could say. So that's why I said it could be a person, a dog or something like a tree. So when we hear about grounding, I know that's like a big trend right now to put your feet, your bare feet on the earth. That is attunement. That is actually us, our nervous system, our electricity matching up with the electricity of the earth. You can also do this through literally putting your hands on a tree, your bare hands. Could we maybe
0: call it the earth's nervous system?
1: Yeah, yeah, the earth's nervous system. And there is an
0: electrical signature. I don't remember what it is. I think it's 5.28 hertz that is the electrical signature. I might be wrong about that, but is the electrical signature of earth. And that is resonance. But I I had never heard of attunement put the way that you just did.
1: Honestly, I haven't either. And this is just coming to me as we but <laughs> this is, this is something that I, because you know, attunement is not something that I came up with by any means. This is very well known and studied in things like um, Peter Levine's work and many other people's work, but, but I found in my experience, just to kind of tangent for a second, I dealt with actually COVID in December, December and January, and I had a hard time. It hit me harder than I was prepared for. And I had kind of like this rebirthing moment with it because I realized, you know, so many people were messaging me, you got to try this supplement, you got to try this thing. I was bombarded with all these ideas. And at the time, I was really a little nervous because I was like, I'm surprised that I am being hit this hard. And I don't know what to do. The things that I would normally do seem like they're not helping. And I need that like magic pill, that magic supplement that's going to cure me, right? And what I ended up finding in that month-long process was that the healing I received the most was literally from being outside and having my hands on a tree, having my phone in the house and just putting my hands on a tree, my feet on the ground if I could. And I, I don't know how to explain it, but that healed me more than anything any other supplement, any other thing that I could have done. And so that's what really turned me on to the, I guess, realization that there was attunement happening there. Mm. It was, it, I was earthing, I was grounding this, yeah. you know, new thing that we hear about, exchange um, of ions. which is not new. Yeah. It's yeah, not it's, new, I but think you it's, know, very it's a little ancient, bit trendy. Maybe the most yes. ancient. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, just realizing that like, of course i look at everything kind of through a nervous system lens already just because it's where my head is most of the time but yeah just seeing that that could happen between human and nature was just eye opening for me so so yeah as as adults it's really beautiful to understand that we can maybe if we're having a hard time finding that peace within bringing ourselves back to a grounded, balanced state after we've been in that activated state. I know a lot of people struggle with things like anxiety and feeling overwhelmed and all the things. It's been beautiful to understand that we can, or I guess a tool that is available to us is to get that help to regulate our nervous system through another person that has a grounded nervous system, Mm -hmm. an animal or nature. It's that simple. And they're all free. They're all free. And I think... There is science for how
0: nature regulates our nervous system, right? Bits and pieces. Like I think we just see fragments. When we hear birdsong, bird song, it actually helps Mm -hmm. to put us in a parasympathetic state because it's indicative that there are no predators in the immediate vicinity. When we go to see a panoramic vista and our eyes relax into panoramic vision instead of being focused or foveated, it actually brings us into a parasympathetic state. And so there are these little pieces that we're beginning to understand. And there there's evidence that yes. just being in a forest can bring down blood pressure and heart rate. And we're bringing that into our bodies too through our breath, like whatever it is that we don't understand that's going on in the air of, uh, that forest or that prairie, wherever you are, we're bringing that into our lungs and we're actually receiving information that way. We're receiving bacteria and different, who knows?
1: And so there's still so much we don't have answers for.
0: Yeah. And I love that you brought up co-regulation too, because I think this is really important and I'll, I, I learned in part how to regulate my system with my, my now husband, who I've been with for 13 years, who has one of the most grounded nervous systems Without trying, of anybody I've ever Mm -hmm. met, and and he draws in animals. Horses love him, and dogs love him, and and birds. Like he has a picture of him with this little mouse that came to visit with him in one of the barns. I joke that he's he's Snow White, but it's really it's really (laughs) I think a testament to this. That's (laughs) actually
1: that's really funny because Snow White is like always singing. And just yeah. in the forest. And we know that singing regulates your nerve or it activates your vagus nerve, which then yeah. regulates your nervous system. And how interesting is that? I yeah. That. Oh,
0: I love that because that, <laughs> that's a really important connection too, right? That is the, the massive nerve that provides the backbone of this interconnected system that traverses between yes. mind and body. And yes. so I love that you brought up co-regulation and attunement too. And, and, before we started recording this, we also talked about horses. And I mean, yes. horses and dogs are used therapeutically, but I know that one of my biggest mirrors for my nervous system, I purchased a horse that is me in horse form. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I, I'm excited to hear this. <laughs> uh, she she came from a difficult background. And she spooks at any little thing. And sometimes she even looks for things to spook at. Oh my gosh. And she just wants to go so, she just wants to go so slow. She wants to take every step really slow and she needs an on-ramp to adjust to change. And one of my biggest realizations with her was my husband and I were talking about how far she's come in the year that we had had her and And I started getting emotional and crying at how how much she just deserved a home that was willing to have patience with her and willing to go slow, and then all of a sudden, I realized that I deserved that too, that I deserved yes. myself here being patient and slow with my own yes. nervous system
1: a thousand percent did she come from like an abusive home or anything or? You
0: know, we got her off of Craigslist. I'm not an expert on selecting (laughs) horses. So, Um, and what I'm going to say about it is that she came from an old farming family and it is clear that she had not been treated Mm. well and that there had been more stick than carrot. I know that they have done a lot of work with her on opening gates on horseback. And all I know of it is that she would not go through a gate when we got her. And so there were all these little signs, you know, she doesn't want to be caught out in the open. She needs to be, she needs to be in like a closed space to be caught. And so she has a lot of, a lot of little things, but all of that has changed in just a year of slow and steady and patient work.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Well, um, excuse us to anyone listening. If this turns into a horse podcast, (laughs) (laughs) um anyways I wow I really love that because and this actually does totally match up with our whole conversation about nervous systems but I too have a horse that is so skittish Mm -hmm. and I will be honest you know, we talked about before our podcast, how both of us had like this childhood dream of one day having horses and, you know, you, you see things on movies or online of these beautiful pictures of horses, just like galloping and it looks so magical. And you just think of like freedom, right? Yeah. And so I, I figured I, I must have that. I must have this, like, in my head, it was like having a unicorn. Like this graceful, majestic creature. And that they are. However, I did not realize that one, they are pretty similar to humans. And two, you almost, and I'm I'm a very, very amateur horse owner. So, so am I. If anyone so am here I. So is. So we'll listening, give that we'll give those, that big yeah. disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. Um, but what I've realized so far is just that you kind of step into the role as like parent of the horse that you take in. And it's almost, in my experience, been this this relationship of almost like me adopting a child that came from a different home and experienced, you know, whatever traumas, whatever parenting styles at that other home. And now I'm taking this child in and trying to integrate it and, you know, into our lives, but also figure out what this child needs, what trauma it's been through, how we, how it's nervous system works, what we need to work on. And it is so much less about that, like fantasy in my mind of like this majestic unicorn, that's just going to like heal my nervous system and is just going to make me feel amazing. And it is so much more about like learning the horse. And through that, you learn about yourself, you, your nervous system heals as well, because just like we talked about earlier, where a parent really needs to be able to understand their nervous system and know how to regulate their own nervous system to show their child or to even my mother in law, she, she told me this saying a while ago, but she says where mama goes, baby follows. Yeah. And she had actually said that to me because of my puppy at the time I had gotten a puppy and she was like wild. And essentially my mother-in-law was just kind of telling me like, not only physically where I walk, my puppy is going to follow me, but wherever my energy is, is where the puppy is going to meet me. Same thing with parenting, wherever the parent is energetically, the the child's going to meet you. And so I'm learning now with the horse as well, I have to be able to regulate my nervous system so that the horse can meet me. Yes. And the horses are powerful, amazing, majestic creatures and can be incredible conduits in a healing nervous system setting. Yes. But that usually doesn't come until later, and that usually doesn't come until they're trainer their owner is there as well yeah it's not like these horses are just these like majestic grounded like it's kind of funny because when I think of that image of my in my mind of like this thing that is just like already so grounded and ready to just like heal anything that touches it that's actually a tree <laughs> it's not it's not a living like animal person that we already have that in its yeah. trees it's in nature but a Yes, it's nature. It's nature. We already have that. Whereas horses, animals, they like need us to be there first. Yeah. And they, they, they are healing, but we have to be willing to heal almost first. Yeah. So it's it's been very interesting. I think sometimes
0: they do mirror to us where we have work to do, right? And I think I saw that very much in my, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Very much in my relationship with, with Smokey, who's my horse, is that she really mirrored back to me where that work was. And I think as somebody who has depended on co-regulation for a while, it's, it's a gift to be asked to be the, the blueprint for that co-regulation. And these are, I was thinking about that. These are blueprints that we're passing down as parents or as, as horse owners or dog parents, whatever you want to call them. And I have to, I have to ask this and I'm, I'm just musing at this point, (laughs) but I wonder too if that act of domestication, right, with horses or and with dogs particularly, who have been domesticated for a very, very long time, you know, in the agricultural world, when we look at cows or chickens, we're really looking at domestication at the scale of the last six to ten thousand years. But with dogs, we're going much further back and that there's going to be some co-evolution between nervous systems and the way that we connect and regulate. And, and this is just me postulating, I have no idea, but that really came to mind when you were talking about that being that model of a nervous system for a horse, for it to then eventually be able to help people regulate their nervous system.
1: Yes, there's so much there. This is sort of the I don't want to say problem, but like the thing about really about being really interested in the nervous system is your brain just starts taking it in every direction. (laughs) Because I think about domestication of animals a lot. So do (laughs) I a lot more than I need to. I'm always like, should we have never domesticated? No, but Yeah, it's very interesting because I actually have a dog. um, She's called a Catahoula Leopard Hound. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know what they are, but they're they're better known for working dogs. Yeah, they're cattle dogs, ranch dogs. Yes, Um, also used for hunting things like that. So, anyways, her breed was apparently created by indigenous people here in America. So Native Americans, you know, hundreds of years ago, and they were actually created by crossing, I don't know exactly what, but I know that the red wolf that was also native to this land was used in her, in that breed. So in that genetic line, and, you know, we, we got this puppy off of Craigslist as well, and we kind of had no idea... What this breed would be like, we did a little bit of research, but it was really kind of like a quick situation where we were just like, "That's our dog. We're going to pick her up." And so we did. And she was an experience to say the least. Like the first year of Meadow, my dog was an initiation for me as a person and really made me become like an adult and a parent for the first time because she her breed, I think, is still kind of wild like you hear people that have these dogs that are like part wolf and whatnot and honestly i think they're more domesticated than even the catahoulas are because catahoulas have been used as work dogs they haven't been used as pets all this time and so they do have that like that much more of that like predator nervous system of like Really calm, calms, and really intense go activated. We have working go, dogs, you know.
0: I have a Great Pyrenees and a Great Pyrenees Anatolian Shepherd mix, and they Amazing. are They are a whole different experience. And I love what you said, yes. they have a predator nervous system that when they're when they're calm i mean it is it is the steadiest most beautiful calm that i experience with our gp anatolian mix as a little puppy but my my great pyrenees goldberry is i mean she's just a rock she's just a an anchor in a sea of calm but when she focuses down she turns on a dime
1: yes yeah it's it's so interesting learning like all of this through the lens of an animal and you know being able to live in this way that is more rurally or rural you have the space and the opportunity to see animals sort of in their natural habitat while it's not completely natural yeah you're able to just see more of that and like be more aware of that than i guess you would maybe in the city because i will say that with our puppy i was like we need to train her we need to make her not like this like that was my my way of thinking around it. And I'm sure she could use some training, but <laughs> I came to realize that this is who she is. This is who I signed up to bring on into my life. And it's not that maybe she needs to change. I mean, it's not like she is hurting anyone, right? But it's, this is just her wild nature. Yeah, And like, I think as someone who grew up in society in the city it's so normal to think that we need to change to be more acceptable more easygoing more predictable
0: yeah to fit in society's mold for us to fit in that in that space instead of actually being giving space for us to express our own wild nature
1: yep yep It's interesting because I've kind of going into a new topic with this, but I've been thinking a lot about, you know, I explained that whole situation of how I wanted people to know how to connect with that feeling of peace and groundedness um, that is possible within them. Well, I've also been interested in, because I have experienced really finding out who I really am and what Chelsea really feels like without society's like demands of me. um, And without me like comparing myself to others and all those things, I've really wanted to help people come home to themselves and figure out who they really are. And I haven't quite figured out how to help people do that because I do wonder if there almost is this need to step out of society, even just for like a short period of time, just to have that like space and quiet. I actually have heard this talked about as like an energy fast, which sounds like a lot more, you know, quote unquote, woo woo. But it, there's truth to that phrase that you kind of do need to pull yourself out of the energy of everyone else and just kind of like feel who you are. Like, who are you?
0: I'm curious as you were talking about that. There are many ancient traditions, right? Where at a certain, you know, around the late teens, early twenties, you leave home, you leave the group, you leave the tribe. And I mean, even now we see this in Amish communities, right? Like you leave the confines of, of what, you know, to better understand yourself. And I wonder if we are all overdue for that. I mean, I know that that absolutely the self that I got to come home to, as you so beautifully put it, when I moved out into the country was, it was a coming home. I did find myself and I found, I'm beginning to find that safety in my nervous system, but I'm also uncovering a lot of truths about who I am and a lot of acceptance too, for the ways in which I don't fit with Mm -hmm. society as I understood it.
1: Yes. Yes. And that, that was like a big reason why I wanted to potentially help people with that exact thing is because I think so many people do, even though we hear like, don't compare yourself, you know, be you, be unique, like all these cliche kind of phrases. I think on a really deep subconscious level, we haven't been able to do that yet. Many people are still, especially with things like Instagram, are still feeling like who they are is not right, or it's not good enough, or it needs to be changed, tweaked. And I'm not talking about Habits that we've created, but I'm talking about like who you really are deep down yeah. when like no one else is around. Like, yeah. what are your desires? What makes you excited? Maybe working 10 hours a day, five days a week is really fucking hard for you. And it's not that you're lazy or don't have enough energy or something's wrong with our, your health. Maybe that's not how you're supposed to be working. Yeah, you know, and just really coming to those realizations, because I mean, I've experienced this a ton, you know, when I go back down there, people are like, so what do you do for a job? And I'm like, well, (laughs) and, and, you know, the people that are asking me are making tons of money every year at their corporate job, whatever, whatever it may be. And, you know, there are moments where I'm like, shit, should I be getting a job? Like, should I be doing this differently? And I've just had to come back every time to the realization and the knowing that, look, we need money. Everyone needs money. Money is important. I would love to, you know, be able to make enough money to make me feel safe and able to do the things that I want to do in this life. However, that idea of abundance that a lot of us want and that we think, is just money might actually be your abundance in freedom in your life, your abundance of energy in your life, your abundance of space, of joy. It could be all these other things. And so really finding out what is that abundance that you need in your life? Yeah. And that's not to say that you won't need money, of course, like I mentioned, but, and money's not a bad thing either. No, I think money is a
0: neutral energy. Like it's, it, exactly. it, it too is just an exchange of neutral energy. Money isn't good or yes. bad. It is just an energy that exchanges hands. But I think what you said and abundance lives in so many other places and, and it's so easy to apply it to wealth or to money. But having an abundance of space or an abundance of slowness, like I, I really value an abundance of slowness, having an abundance of love, of joy, of play, of safety, of a safe feeling in your body, like, right, like of groundedness, of of the peace that we're missing in our nervous systems.
1: Yes, yes, and it, that, um, go ahead. I was just going
0: to say one last thing. It reminded me of a Wendell Berry quote: "What is a human for?" And I don't know if that's the the perfect quote of it. I, I might be I might be butchering it a little bit. But what is a human for? And can we come home to this idea that maybe we are not a tool of work? Yes. Maybe we are yes. a vessel for love instead. And I, that's probably pretty woo woo, but.
1: sorry everyone no I'm just kidding but um (laughs) I love that and it's funny because I so to bring in some more woo-woo to to this conversation we mentioned human design earlier I am a manifesting generator me too and are you Yeah. amazing (laughs) okay that makes sense (laughs) so I have found and I bet you will agree I have found that like I never feel like defined by one thing. I never have like one belief. I'm constantly like challenging all beliefs and boxes that I put myself into. Yes. And so because of that, yes, I'm always like, wait, why do I think that though? Mm -hmm. What what does that mean? And so I'm always asking why, like you said, to everything that I hear, learn, etc. And something that I have been thinking about is... We hear a lot from like these kind of spiritual like coaches and leaders, and especially, you know, on Instagram and things like that. We hear these very like magical explanations of like, you just need to like follow what you're lit up by and like not be in a lack mindset and be in an abundance mindset and like trust in the universe and everything will find you. And that is all great. And I love that kind of stuff.
0: But I I also
1: have this like other part of me that's like so visceral and like grounded and like okay, but like physical money, how do how does that work? You know. Yeah. And so I'm always like, how, where do these things meet? Where do these things meet? Because for me, money has been something that I've struggled with for many years. And when I say struggled, I mean, I just don't. I don't know. It's like not necessarily that I think it's bad but it's hard to it feels hard to make you know it's like this old system of thinking that like money only comes based on how many physical hours of labor you can put in and it feels so hard to make and once it comes in it's like I gotta hold it all really close because I don't know if I have the energy to make more yeah and, and so I think it's like this-
0: in farming, this becomes very true. Like it, I mean, so many hours for not a lot of money coming back in very tight margins.
1: Yes. And so, yeah, I've just been very interested in like how to merge the, like that with like the world of all possibilities are possible. Like, you know, abundance of all shapes and sizes could come just, by me being me, you know? And so anyways, I've been really thinking about those because that's something I would love to like share my thoughts about in some way. And just thinking about how we spend a lot of time as humans, like looking for our purpose, like what is my purpose in this life? And we take like personality tests. We do all these different things to try to find that like one purpose that we have. And I know that I have sought out that answer for myself because I thought that once I found that, that one purpose, that all the money I need will come. It's like, it really was just like a job. It was a form of work that I thought was like granted to me that I needed to go find that I haven't uncovered yet. That was going to like, give me the money that I want in this life. And yeah. it's funny because that like the quote that you said, like, what is a human for? Right. I think yeah. That's yeah, you said something it. like um, that. <sighs> Yeah. It's like, I think that we, and this isn't necessarily a terrible thing, or at least I don't think it is. We have in society really positioned ourselves as humans as like tiny machines that work and get things done. When in reality, like, what if we're not here to work on one thing? Like, what if just like animals, right? Like animals, they work, they have jobs, they do little things to survive, but they are not necessarily living for this one job. Well, maybe bees, but
0: (laughs) most animals. That actually actually is a beautiful exception. I love (laughs) that you said that. Bees and ants. But so important to remember too, that when you look at a hive mentality, that's different. And there are jobs within a hive, within a herd, Mm -hmm. but you're taking the collective to make a whole. And we're trying to put the whole of it on a single individual instead of spreading it out across the collective.
1: Yes. Also animals, like all their jobs that they're doing are all to make sure that they are getting the nutrients they need and that they are alive. And, and somehow... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. That,
0: would, that has been our job for hundreds of thousands of yes. years. Our only task really was around hunting and gathering food and then cooking food around a campfire and having community within that space. And then we woke up and we rinsed and repeated. And I've said for a long time, and I know I've said on this podcast, I really think that that, and this is what I thought about when you talked about searching for that home in our own nervous system, was I've always thought we're searching for food, right? That connection to food. And you took that into a much Deeper and you up leveled it. We're searching for that home in ourselves. But I do think that there is this drive in us to just want to seek nourishment.
1: Yes. And I think it's interesting. I mean, we could have spent a whole podcast even talking just about this. We didn't talk much about like nutrition and how kidding. that impacts your nervous system. <laughs> we'll have to do another one maybe. But, but like, even food. Food regulates our nervous system. It has a way of regulating our nervous system. Our nervous system requires certain things from our diet, the the liquids that we drink, um, the amount of sun that we get, in order for it to even regulate to begin with. For it to even be able to come to that state of safety, home, groundedness, peace, any of that. It needs those nutrients. So it's interesting when we look at animals because they are spending their entire lives making sure that they are getting the nutrients that they need and surviving. And I just wonder if that's like the disconnect and why we see so many people who are sick that have all these different ailments are dealing with things like depression, anxiety, because yeah. we have somehow fixated on this one purpose that we have in life this one job that's going to bring us money because we have really fixated on we need money but why why did we really need money in the beginning of times when we realized we could use money to buy things or trade or barter I would imagine it was so that we could have the food the resources to make sure our body is nourished I think about just yeah the spice just trade time, or even its salt just...
0: right like the trade you know areas that had its salt native to that mm-hmm. space and areas that mm-hmm. didn't that would have been a really big thing to trade for because that is trace mineral and that is you know this aspect of nutrient density
1: yes and so it's just interesting how like our priorities shifted without us even really realizing what we were leaving behind and I just, it's just interesting, like, you know, seeing friends and family and strangers when I go into the city and seeing their health deteriorating, yet they're making 150 grand a year at their job. And so they feel like they are not even they feel like they're doing good. It's usually the people around them that are like, wow, good job. Or like their parents are finally proud of them, yet they're so malnourished. Yeah, but they're making the amount of money that makes their parents happy, and it's like, but that nourishment is
0: abundance to ourselves, right? Like that is wealth. I mean, my husband and I joke all the time that we are wealthy based on what's in our freezer. That I have a freezer hundred percent meat that we raised and organ meat and food that we've cooked and broth that we've made, and like that is that is abundance in in spades. For, mm-hmm. for my cells, for my mind and and getting that nourishment has changed my relationship to my health outcomes, to my autoimmune disease, to my anxiety and to my nervous system. I really believe that it's helped me. It's facilitated finding a better sense of grounding and becoming more nourished. And one other little, have you read, I think it's called Nourished by Fred Prevenza.
1: No. Mm-mm.
0: You would love it. Uh, Fred, <laughs> he's, he's incredible. And he looks at the way that ruminants in particular and browsers like goats in particular mm. will browse through a landscape selecting what they need to be nourished by and that their yes. calculations of what they need in different plant materials, whether that's leaves or bark or things that have cured on the stalk or things that are fresh and new, is Mm -hmm. down to a almost perfectly dialed in science and that you can see differences in the young and the elderly Mm -hmm. and the pregnant and the lactating, and that they are servicing their needs with these different plants. And when you look at the nutrient composition of those plant foods, you begin to see this bigger picture of this true wisdom in the way that they're spending literally all their time
1: browsing. That is so interesting because even from like a nutrition view, I guess, of that, I always think about when I was like really, really in nutrition before kind of like the nervous system stuff came to be for me, I would always think about how our food has sort of been hijacked, right? Like, There's so much that is altered, that is created by man. Our animals are not being raised, not always, but, you know, our factory farms are raising animals in a way that is not biologically correct for them. Um, Our vegetables, our grains, things are being monocropped. It's it's defying nature, right? Because we want volume.
0: And that nutrient density correlates. We're seeing a decline. Exactly. (laughs) exactly yeah, 20 to 30% so, in vegetables and 10 to 20% in meat uh reduction in all of those vitamins and trace minerals
1: yeah that is it's so interesting to think about how you know our essentially our food has been hijacked and how we have these processed foods that have man-made chemicals in them um to make them taste unnatural like sweeter than we would ever find in nature saltier than we would ever find in nature all these things and so humans just like animals we have that ability to where our body will know what it needs cravings are not bad cravings are there on purpose because Absolutely. just like just like a cow i remember my boyfriend was telling me that there was a farmer that he followed on like youtube or something like that and he would have different minerals in different trays out for his cows. And instead of having them mixed, he would have them separate. And the cows would eat which minerals they needed. And they knew exactly which yes. ones they needed. And I'm sure that they didn't understand, right? The cow doesn't understand like, oh, that's this mineral, right? They're, they're not humans. They don't have, well, who knows? But we don't think they understand that completely, but their body knew they're craving new. yeah. So us humans, we have that ability too, but because our food is not the way that nature intended it anymore, in most cases, these cravings that we have, we we are learning that we can't trust them. People are starting to think that these cravings are bad. I can't trust my own body because it's telling me it wants something bad that's going to make me quote unquote fat, whatever. And and I, I find this a lot with women as well, especially I like how you mentioned that they noticed with these animals that were like pregnant, postpartum, like all these things and how their nutrient needs were different. The same thing happens with humans. And I see with a lot of women, women denying themselves the extra nutrients that they need when they're in those phases of life, because they think our society has come to agree that cravings are bad and should not be listened to almost like the, in like religion like it's a sin and it's like yeah. not us and we cannot listen to it and when in reality it is like the most basic primitive way that our body communicates with us and tells us what it needs and yeah i think that's just one of many reasons why farming in a regenerative way which i know that's something that you spend your life doing is so important because people need to have this food that's back with nature that's that's being prepared grown raised nourished in the way that nature intended it so that our bodies can reconnect with that as well and so that we can learn that our body's voice is not bad and is there to be listened to Yes, I, I I talk to a lot of people and um, work with a lot of people who don't know how to listen to their nervous system. They say, I don't even know what my body needs. I'm confused. There's all this information. I don't know how to like tend to my nervous system. And it's because we've become so detached from even knowing how to listen to the, the smallest and the most simple ways that our body communicates to us. We've shut it all off because we've determined that it's bad that it's it's here to harm us or something like that
0: that we can't i want to say again
1: we can't trust it
0: because i think trust is a really big trusting ourselves and our innate wisdom is a big part of this
1: that it's not trustworthy huge huge absolutely i think that's where this like all comes back down to is really just all of this that we've talked about comes down to learning how to trust yourself again Because that is something that humans have completely forgot how to do, and I would even say that in some situations when we see people that really trust themselves, they're thought to be as like egotistic or like Mm. you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know.
0: I know exactly what you mean. That we judge that from a
1: from a space of like a know it all or a um not thinking about other people. And it's like, it doesn't need to be like that. Right. Like listening to ourselves has, doesn't take away from anyone else. When we're able to listen to ourselves, we can hear everyone else much more clearly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that channel opens because we've opened up the channel of communication that is arguably the most important, which is the one that we have with ourselves. And we can then use that as the blueprint of how we communicate with others, but strengthening yeah. that muscle of trust. And I think in a world where there are all these hyper palatable foods, and we are fighting our own biology—that you know, our our biology from an evolutionary standpoint wants sugar. That is good. That helps prepare us for hard winters and hard times. It is energy storage, mm-hmm. and and I think when we begin to take away some of the, and I want to say this gently, when we tease out some of the refined sugars and seed oils, these hyper palatable fats, and we take those out of the equation a little bit, it gives us a little bit more space to begin to listen to those cravings Mm -hmm. and to begin to be like, okay, what is it that my body needs in this moment? And Because I am curious, like, how do we strengthen that trust of our
1: own innate wisdom? Yep, it's interesting too, because when we look at like all these diets that exist, like especially coming from the nutrition world, like we see the keto diet, you know, all the diets and even the diets that came before us that our parents were into, like all these different things. And what's so interesting is almost every time for all of these diets there are the foods or the products that are available that are safe quote unquote for these diets all have to be manipulated by man. Yes. Something has to be taken out of them or or the entire food has to be created and doesn't can't be found in nature. Yeah. And it just like goes to show like you know going back to what you said about how sugar cravings are not a bad thing. I love illuminating that for people because so many people think like, oh my gosh, I'm addicted to sugar. It's terrible. I have the worst sweet tooth and it's like, what if that's not the full truth? What if that's you actually choosing not to trust your own body? And sure. Yeah. Maybe we do get like addicted to things like Cheetos and yeah, maybe we do need to like disrupt a little bit of that, but like Sugar is in food on purpose. If, if sugar was not supposed to be in food, wouldn't we have sugar-free food abundantly available in like all these things that grow in nature? We don't. Sugar is necessary, you know? And the only way you're going to find sugar-free food is when you find someone making a food deliberately without sugar. And or it usually using has something like... Weird ingredients. Aspartame. Yeah. But we're going to find in
0: nature, we're going to find sugar in its whole form. We're going to find it in the form of fruits, or, and I mean, arguably in the form of honey would be a really strong source of fructose specifically. But,
1: and we're almost never eating sugar on its own in nature either. No. It's, it's with fiber. always going to be with paired. Fat. Yes. It's always paired with other things. And that's like the huge piece that people need to understand about sugar as well Is like, just like we talked about all those things earlier about things that could be good for you, or that could make you feel good being like slow poisons. If you have too much of them, same thing goes for food. You're not going to want an isolated anything in too much. Like you don't want too much of Vitamin B12, you know, everything in ex- excess can be a form of poison. Technically, dose makes the poison. And, yes.
0: Yeah. And I think that that is so, I mean, that's just true across the board. And I think we see that too. You know, if you give cows an access, we have we have some beautiful farmer friends that have a medicinal pasture for their cows that have a lot of chicories that are anti parasitical and a lot of different herbs so that their cows can go in and select. But none of these specific medicinal things are something that any cow is going to want to gorge on in the same way that they might want to gorge on just like a fresh mixed pasture of grass. Like these are specific little things that our body needs, Mm -hmm. but not, not to excess.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's really interesting too, because I know myself and I would almost say every woman at this point has dealt with some kind of eating disorder in their life, in their lifetime. And so many have struggled with things like binge eating thinking that they overeat all these different things that in my opinion are happen for a couple reasons and one of them being they're kind of like manufactured by like these the diet industry like telling you that you're eating too much stop you're going to get fat like that's not true no and It might be your, if you are finding yourself doing that, which is something that I experienced, I was experiencing this like uncontrollable need to eat things, random things. Again, was my body trying to communicate to me, hey, something's wrong. Something is out of balance. And this is what I need. And of course, I didn't know how to like see it that way at the time, but thankfully I was able to come out of that and see why that was happening. And then, like, a third, sort of nuance to that could be it could be something going on with your nervous system it could be something emotional something related to a trauma and for whatever reason your body is trying to find grounding and peace through Mm food yeah I'm sure there are other nuances to it but I have found that like those three things Mm -hmm. are are like monumental when it comes to Eating disorders, specifically for like overeating and binge eating, things like but that. But for
0: addiction, too. I mean, that's the same thing. Yes. But to find grounding and peace, whether it's yes. addiction or an eating disorder or just a dysregulated nervous system, like all those times that we're seeking and reaching for those things outside of us, are we really just looking for grounding and peace? And I think the bigger question is how do we begin? to find that and to trust that, right? Because all of that, that broken trust. And I think it breaks even more as we look to everyone else and the world of, of ever evolving diets and ever evolving, you know, all of these things, how do we, we sort of break with the hyper palatable foods and the hyper palatable nervous system fixes, right? Like, sitting on the couch and watching Netflix is in many ways a hyper palatable fix to come, de- to come down and drop into a parasympathetic state.
1: Yes. hundred percent. It,
0: and it's, it's like junk food for your nervous system. And so yep, yep. I have this question about how do we, how do we tune out all of this noise and just get into what our truth is and begin to strengthen that muscle of trust.
1: Yeah. um, This is like what I have been thinking about constantly almost for the past couple of years, because I, I had my own experience with understanding my nervous system and it's still something that I'm like continuously learning about and working with. And I'm like, okay, how do I help other people with this? And The reality, I think, is that each of us have a different code, I guess you could say. Each of us have different needs. What is going to work for my nervous system is not going to be the same for you or anyone else that I might work with. And so I think that's what I have been trying to kind of gain clarity on as far as helping people with this kind of work is like... What even is my title in this role? Because I don't see myself really as even like a teacher or I don't know, maybe not even like a coach or maybe it is a coach. I don't know because it's, it's not me that is going to give you something that heals you. You are. I'm not going to tell you. Yes. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, it's vit- vitamin B12. Take this supplement and you're fixed now. It, that's never going to be the fix. And that's why I knew nutrition alone wasn't going to be my path because it was missing so much. What instead I think I could help people with is just creating the space that feels open enough and safe enough for you to begin to just open up the awareness of who you are and starting to trust yourself. And in that process, you will find what your body needs. Because when you start to trust yourself, you start to listen to what your body is telling you and actually take it seriously and actually say, oh, that's no longer like this little voice in my head that I want to just go away. That's now my, my northern star. That's my guiding light. That's my purpose that right there is my purpose. It's not about what job, what purpose is going to give me the job that's going to give me the most money, right? If that's what you want, that's great. But I believe that your purpose is the things that you uniquely need to give you the abundance that you desire in this life, which you might not even really know off the top of your head. It could be things like your body wants peace your body wants to feel nourished. It's these other kinds of abundance that we haven't even fully like locked into yet. And so joy. Yes. Yes. So I think when it comes to like, how do we start to like attune our nervous system? How do we start regulating our nervous system? Like, where do we even start? I think it starts with, This is why I love to talk about things like nutrition, because that's a really easy and great way to start is just by getting the nutrients that you need. And then continuing to kind of just like pull back the layers little by little from there and just really trying to find, I guess, I guess what has been helpful for me actually, and a topic that I am really loving right now is actually coming back to Like my six year old self, my five year old self, and thinking back, like, what did that version of Chelsea love? What could she do all day and like not think about anything else? And like time would just not even feel like it had passed, you know? And so, thinking about the things that little Chelsea loved to do are now what I use today and understand are the things that are the most healing for my nervous system. As a kid, I was obsessed with singing. That's all I wanted to do was just sing. I was dead set on being a famous singer like Britney Spears, or something, which is so funny. But I also loved horses. I loved dancing, like these little things that maybe in your mind seem so silly and like, no, I'm an adult. I have a Big girl job now, like <laughs> you know the way that we um, take ourselves really seriously when we're when we're an adult, but if you can just take a second to think about what that like little version of you before all the responsibilities came into your life, what did that version love doing like genuinely? those are probably the things that are going to help your nervous system more than anything like more than that like five thousand dollar coach that wants you to hire them to teach them, teach you how to regulate your nervous system. Like those things are probably all great, but I guarantee they are all going to lead you back to the things that you like doing when you were younger. And those being the most powerful for your nervous system. And of course there's like new technology and things like that, that are coming about that you can do to really like tap into your nervous system, but you can take those routes, but they might be really expensive. It's all kind of experimental, which is fine. But the most simple and natural way that I believe we are here to really just handle our nervous system and like learn about our nervous system is just doing these simple, basic things that we think are so basic that they couldn't possibly do anything for us when really those are like the actual keys to like your soul almost... (laughs)
0: I love that so much and I just and I don't want to take the magic out of it but singing tones your vagal nerve and having that somatic experience of dance and transmuting emotions alchemizing them through our body with dance like these are these are things that we know do heal the nervous system Absolutely. and I think that when we look at it I think this is such a beautiful lens to look at it through and I it just really touches me because I think as children, we, we haven't lost that innate wisdom, right? We knew, we knew what we needed.
1: We knew what we needed
0: to spend time doing. And for me, it was being out in nature. I spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time being out in nature and wanting to be connected to animals and yes, Those those little versions of ourselves that are still here and still need care, they knew exactly what was necessary. Actually, I recently I I ended up on a mailing list for like the Brayer Pony catalog, you know, those plastic, Mm -hmm. those plastic ponies. Yes. And I always wanted them as a kid and never happened for me, but I got it and I was was sitting at the the kitchen counter and I I started crying. And my husband was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I just want to paint these ponies. And it just, it just feels like the only thing that, that I've ever wanted. He, he got me this painting pony set. But I think that that nourishing that, right? Nourishing that inner child and nourishing that those desires, even if they feel trivial. Or silly in all of our seriousness of being adults and and having very serious diets and serious nervous systems because I think that these realms that we're playing in I mean your nervous system is informed by trauma this is all really serious like your health and your diet and the way that those two things connect feels very serious but mm-hmm. that inner child I think that is just the most beautiful wisdom for. A gateway to connect to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have so many people ask, like through these past years, how do I find safety in my body? What heals the nervous system? What regulates the nervous system? And I think there are situations where we can experience like really intense trauma where we can have healing and where there are different modalities, specific modalities, like somatic experiencing, different things that can be super helpful and are more, like, um, strategic and maybe something you would work with, like, a professional on. But as far as most of us go, there really is no such thing as, like, healing our nervous system and, like, finding safety as if it's, like, the cure, right? There's no cure. And the more that I dove into all of that and tried to create like resources for people of like, okay, singing um, is going to help your nervous system. You know, looking at things that tone our vagal nerve, which we didn't really get into, but is basically like our largest nerve in our body. And it's really what's connecting our brainstem to the rest of our body. So it's that whole peripheral nervous system. So when we are able to tone our our vagal vagus nerve or vagal, vagal tone, we're basically doing different things in our life that you could think of like flex that nerve, flex that muscle. So the more you work that muscle, the better it gets at resiliency and flowing um, and your nervous system can flow more easily, right? So when we look at things like what things tone the vagus nerve, like I was saying, You know, singing, dancing, grounding, deep breathing, all these things. I could go on and list forever. And that could be helpful for you because you might say, oh, okay, I like to do that. So I'll try that. That could be helpful for you. But I just have found it so much more helpful to think about that younger version of you because oftentimes, not in all cases, but you can think about this young version of you and think about a time when you felt safe when you felt at ease, peace, joy, and think about what you were doing in those instances. And those are the things that are going to work the best for you, which is essentially what I was saying before. So yeah, that's always kind of where I like to lead people because I think, like we were saying, as adults, we can make everything so serious and everything so... Like mathematical, and like it must reflect in the data and all this stuff. And like, we want the perfect supplement to fix this ailment. And like, it's not meant to be like that. That's not how nature intended things. And that gets so rigid. And especially as like women, we're not supposed to be that rigid. I don't think we are supposed to be like flowing, juicy, like incredible creatures, right? That is the feminine.
0: She is, she is no one thing. Like she is that rolling and undulating and, and stretching, changing and flowing.
1: Exactly. And I, I love that. And I want more people to really connect to that energy of who they really are underneath like societal's programming or conditioning. Right. And so when we're in that state of like, everything is so serious and we're looking everything, looking at everything as like fixing the parts on a car, like a mechanic, we actually might be telling our nervous system that we are under threat all the time because everything is so serious. It's like, we're telling our nervous system that it's not safe, that it is not fixed, that it is broken. And so that alone in that mindset alone we are like doing the opposite of what we want so if we can kind of like shift out of that mindset of like being so serious and thinking things are wrong with us and instead shifting into which i know is easier said than done but if we can just even gain the awareness of like oh i might be doing that i'd never thought about it that way and just start to look at it as what did little me love to do when I was younger? What brought me joy? What made me feel safe? And just start to connect to those things. Just like you said, you had those horses and you're like, I just want to paint these horses. For me, as someone who like, would want to help and support a client through understanding their, nourish- their nourishment, but also their nervous system, that would be my main objective for you. I would be like, that's what you need to do right now. That's for that's your prescription for today, you know? Those are the things that we need to like not be putting on the back burner. And I even see so many people who like force themselves to do 20 minutes of breath work every morning, like regimented, because it's what's supposed to be good for your nervous system. If that doesn't feel good to you, and painting a picture, writing a poem, dancing to your favorite song actually sounds more. Invigorating to you right now, that's what you should be doing. Because by doing the thing you don't even want to be doing, you're actually doing the reverse of what you think you're doing. You know, hopefully that didn't make it more. No, (laughs) I think it was so
0: beautiful. And I, if our, and one of the things I was thinking about is if our nervous system is the connection between all parts, then that wisdom should be that we cannot isolate apart, that they all have mm-hmm. to work in concert. And when we're mm-hmm. seeking that supplement, that modality, that thing that's going to be the magic band-aid for this one thing, it's not looking at the whole. And the nervous system really is the voice of yes. the whole, I think. And yes. at least that's that's kind of the understanding that I've gotten for you. And, and that some of this is for us to get curious about ourselves and about what lights us up and about what lights up that inner child. Yes. And I, I have to say that you, I was thinking about land stewardship as you were speaking about what you are, right? That
1: mm-hmm.
0: when we look at, when I think about it through the lens of regenerative agriculture, I'm just a facilitator for mm-hmm. nature to happen. I am just a steward of those relationships that maybe a shepherd maybe at times I'm a shepherd of those relationships but what is happening is happening between nature and animal between all of these places and I'm just I'm just making space for that and I I think that's yes. precisely what you're doing for
1: people mm-hmm. is you're making space
0: for you're stewarding that connection mm-hmm. you're facilitating that connection back home.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people are going to be coming to realizations like that because you hear a lot of people talk about how we're kind of like moving away from the, like the guru of following the guru of following the, like one leader who's like here to save us. And we're moving into like this new, this new way of, One, finding out that we are the leader of ourselves, Mm -hmm. that we are our own healer. Mm -hmm. And then also for those of us who do feel like we're here to help other people, I think a lot of us are coming to the realization that some of these words that we normally use don't feel right because I know the word coach is thrown around a lot. And I actually think that that word is... A good word and it has just been portrayed worse than it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been used a lot. So people are not loving it anymore. Even myself, I'm like, I don't really want to be called a coach. But yeah, I think I think the word it does serve a great purpose. But I think there's a lot of people, um, like myself who don't really resonate with that word. And I think we're like moving into this new time where we're gonna start figuring out different descriptions for our passion in this life because kind of going back to how we were saying animals, you know, take care of their needs and that's their biggest purpose. I have noticed that when humans have taken care of their needs, you know, we have like heightened senses that animals don't have. That's why we are humans. And I think we have this like increased capacity to be able to take care of ourselves and then have like, this other thing that we gift to the world. The best example for this, I think, is like looking at artists. Artists just create just to create. And they like gift the world with these like incredible things that they just made for us, you know? With beauty. Yes. And I think that's what is happening as well in other facets of society is people are realizing their art is, I want to hold space for people. I want to show people how to breathe. I want to show people how to be a good steward to the land, like all these different things that a lot of times we're seeing is called like a teacher or a coach. And maybe those names resonate with you, but I think we're really expanding on what that means because we're stepping away from that, like There's only one teacher and this person's the best in the world. And you can only learn from this person. And I think it's, it's just expanding. It's, it's upgrading in every way.
0: I've struggled with this myself to define what it is that the way that I want to hold space in this world to fulfill my Mm -hmm. purpose after nourishing myself and going slow. And Mm -hmm. there, we have to, we have to make new language for it. And I think we have to we have to change that because I think there are a lot of connotations with some of these other titles. And to be able to really, it's something new. And I think it's a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift of of transferring control to one person back to the autonomous control of your
1: of yourself
0: as a as an autonomous whole that is also part of the whole.
1: Yes, completely. Yep. It's like, I think is, isn't that like the, uh, moving away from like the consolidation of power, which is kind of like the way we're like, yes, there you go. I'm not great
0: with all of those words. Decentralizing, (laughs) you know, we're working to decentralize currency. I think regenerative ag, I was actually just having this conversation with my husband is in many ways, a decentralization of our food system.
1: Absolutely. So needed. So, so needed.
0: And so this is a decentralization of healing.
1: Yes. Wow. I really love that. That's so cool.
0: I don't want to take up, I I could, I think I could easily take up your whole entire day and we could just talk (laughs) for hours. Um, I I. (laughs) I don't want to miss Kismet. Do you want to, do you want to just briefly tell people about Kismet?
1: Yes, so Kismet Cacao is my other business. I kind of feel like I have myself stretched out in all these little places. Which, as a manifest- manifesting generator, I'm that's sure our you thing. can relate to. <laughs> yep, that's, we're just that's what all we like over to the do. Place and we love it. So, yeah, Kismet Cacao is basically just like a little passion project that I started back in 2019. That's when I officially started selling Kismet Cacao. And essentially, what it is is a wild-picked Ecuadorian cacao. So basically, these cacao pods are picked from indigenous wild trees in the rainforests. Some of the trees are as old as 80 years old. And basically, these pods are picked, hand-picked, and then brought back down to a processing kind of facility, but it's not very high-tech. And essentially, the cacao is taken out of the pods, it's uh, fermented, sun-dried, and then stone-ground into a paste. So, when you think of a cacao paste, you you really just think of when you think of a chocolate bar. That's cacao paste. So, at room temperature, it is hard. It's a mass. And um, however, cacao is chocolate without anything added to it. So, there's no milk. There's no sugar. There's nothing, nothing added to it. It's just the pure cacao paste. And essentially that paste is what I get. So I get the paste in its full mass, hard form, and I actually blend it down into really small pieces. So it looks like a powder, but it actually can melt. So Mm. if it's in the contact of any heat, it will melt. And this is the traditional way of preparing cacao, often ceremonially in many different cultures it was also used as a currency at one point it's a highly medicinal and i would even say like energetic food it plant medicine is, yes it's a plant medicine if you've ever had like pure cacao especially with the kind of intention that i believe comes from like a wild indigenous plant is just out of this world it's so amazing and so i used to back when i lived down in southern california be A huge fan of caffeine. I drank coffee every day and I realized it was just wreaking havoc on my health. And so I finally decided to go cold turkey, cut out all my coffee and matcha and green tea. And I really wanted something that was still, that would still give me that like creamy latte kind of fix in the morning. And I started to just research and you know, I knew of cacao but I didn't really ever look into all of the benefits of cacao and I started to see that as I was researching different caffeine-free alternatives to coffee. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try cacao. And at first, I've always been a chocolate lover, so at first I just was like making hot chocolate essentially. And then I was like, no, I really want to try the like purest, most traditional best form of cacao that I could find. And so I started ordering basically the cacao mass from all different places, from all different parts of the world. And I just wanted to try all of them. So I ended up eventually getting to this wild Ecuadorian cacao and I just fell in love with it. So I was making it every morning. I would add my own stuff to it. I would mix it with like coconut milk, hot water, some mushroom powder, sea salt, all kinds of stuff. And I would often share my pour. So I would pour it into my mug and put music with it. And I would share it on my Instagram and people just started to ask me like, can I pay you to make me a little blend of it? And I would be like, no, no, no. Like you don't need to pay me. Like, here's the ingredients I use. Just go buy them. And they'd be like, no, but that's going to cost me like $200 to buy all the ingredients. And I might not even like it. Can I just buy a couple servings from you? And I was like, that's a good point. So I started to just dabble in the idea of maybe I should just make this a mix the way that I prepare it, a dry mix that people can mix with their own milk and water and whatnot. And so at first it was just like a little gift that I would share with people. I'd just make these little tiny jars. And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to put it in big jars and see if people are into this. So after having my my dad and my brother, which are probably the biggest food critics in my life, and also the two people who will tell me this tastes too healthy or not.
0: <laughs> Once I got their seal
1: of approval and they were like, this is really good. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on to something. So, so yeah, I started I started jarring it. I started doing little pop-ups back in 2019. Um, I created a website. And so now that is the business that I still continue to facilitate and I make, um, we have, we actually have three. I don't know why I can't think of this right now, but I believe we have three flavors. I
0: know. I understand that. I I run a business. (laughs) I understand that. Yes.
1: So we have three flavors now. Actually the third flavor is not out quite yet, but, um, it will be out very soon. We are redoing all of our labels. So the entire business is kind of getting an uh, facelift if you will. But, um, we sell it on our website. We are going to be wholesaling soon right now. We just do it through the website, but it is like a little piece of my heart that I have just really, I consider it my art. This is like an art project for me, which is funny because I think anyone else that I know that has like a food business are like, it's their whole life because food businesses are so demanding, but I I just haven't like taken that leave with it personally. And so I really see it as like this little side art project that I just adore. And it's this other part of me. And if you love cacao or want to try cacao, Kismet Cacao might be a really awesome option for you.
0: I think that's beautiful. And I think it's a beautiful ritual. And I, yes. I, I love that it's a piece of your art. I own a food business and
1: I think it's nice it's to intense. keep it as an art. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes.
0: And to know have kind it of what be I've come to realize. Consuming.
1: Exactly. And it so easily can. And there have been many times where I'm like, I think I'm just going to go all in. And I've just been like, I don't think that's for me. Maybe later, but right now it's just not for me. And not so I think that's even. Yeah, I think that's even why I forget to talk about it sometimes because it's just like this extra thing where I'm like, oh, yeah. Also, if you like chocolate, like, here's this thing I do too. I am a huge chocolate lover. So to be able to have this like really decadent, like energetically incredible plant medicine version of chocolate just feels so fun to share with people. Just feels like such a luxurious, yes, like a luxurious way to like pamper your body, but you can do it every day if you want to. Yeah. And I mean, cacao in itself, other than being like a plant medicine, it is actually pretty nutrient dense. It has some going really awesome nutrients in it. Yeah. Magnesium, copper. It, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I know we were talking All about this fat. recently too. Yes. I mean, this is like literally nervous system food. This yeah. is like one of my favorite nervous system foods. I mean, cacao butter, which is naturally occurring in cacao and is contained in kismet cacao so when we see cacao powder that is never a substance that will melt right because it's a full powder and that's because they have extracted all of the cacao butter out of it which is great oh, but in interesting. my yes so it, it in doesn't
0: my, have any does it have any fat left
1: because no fat
0: but that's the vehicle for all the fat is the vehicle for all the nutrients in the cacao.
1: Exactly. And a great form
0: of stearic acid.
1: Yes. Like, I mean, cacao butter is like incredible in so many ways. It's very similar, not similar nutrient wise, but similar in how amazing it is. I think to like butter and ghee, it's like one of nature's like incredible fats.
0: Yeah, no, so I agree. That is also very stable. I agree completely. And I, I actually was going to say that cacao butter is analogous to something like tallow or ghee and cacao is arguably somewhat analogous to something like liver.
1: Yes, absolutely. So it it is like a powerhouse in itself. And it's funny because I didn't fully even realize that when I first started consuming cacao, but just as I've like gone further in my own education, I'm like, wow, cacao is so awesome. <laughs> I'm like so happy that it's a part of my life. But yeah, so it it has posed problems in the way that I, I have cacao in its whole form. So it melts. Mm-hmm. It's harder to ship because it melts. It costs more to ship because it melts. These past couple of years, I have actually closed the shop during summer because it gets so hot where I live. And I just was worried that it would completely melt on people in transit. That's something I hopefully am going to be working on to not have to do this summer. But, you know, a lot of these mixes that we see out there, although I'm sure they are tasty and awesome, they're missing the cacao butter. It's just made with cacao powder. Yeah. And (laughs) that fat is a vehicle. Exactly you need the fat in there. Just like we were talking about earlier, like nature put all of those things into a plant on purpose. Those are all part of the exchange of those nutrients that the plant contains. So that's why I'm such a proponent of like having the whole plant, having the cacao butter and they're having those yummy fats. And yes, it is something that can melt, but I promise you it is so worth it.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Is there is there anything else major that we missed that you want to communicate with people?
1: I don't think so. Well, I guess if you are interested in Kismet Cacao, um, you can check us out on Instagram. We also have our website. It's just kismetcacao.com. I also am going to be launching my own podcast pretty soon called House of, Nuri- House of Nourishment. I'm like, what is it called? <laughs> House of <laughs> Nourishment with Chelsea Connor. Um, That's coming very soon. So I'm really excited about that. I don't have like a launch date yet, but it's coming very soon. That's like my newest project. And then, yeah, I'm going to be opening up my space to take on some more clients pretty soon. So I'm excited about that. So if you're interested, you can follow me at House of Nourishment and um, DM me or just wait until that all is available. And I think that is it.
0: I love that. And we'll put all of that in the show notes so that people can easily click links and find you. Because I think that, I think that people are really going to want to find you after this. And I just, I can't thank Thank you you. enough for bringing, uh, this is just a really joyful conversation. And it just, it contained a lot of wisdom I needed to hear. Like it was a balm for my soul. And, and you have a lot of just really beautiful things that I think people really need to hear in their lives. I think that connecting back to our inner child and
1: nourishing ourselves
0: and just everything. And so I'm really grateful for you coming on.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Kate. I can say the exact same. This was such a fun conversation.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Groundwork Podcast. If what you heard today resonated with you, may I ask that you share it with your friends or leave us a review? This helps others find Groundwork. If you're looking for more, you can find us at groundworkcollective.com and at Groundwork Collective on Instagram. I would like to give a very special thank you to China and Seth Kent of the band All Right All Right for clips from the beautiful song Over the Edge from their album The Crucible. You can find them at All Right All Right on Instagram and wherever you listen to music.